and shine liberty loving patriots welcome to the chris ann hall daily journal chris ann hall here k-r-i-s-a-n-n-e-h-a-l-l.com where we are liberty over security principle over party and truth over your favorite personality welcome to the show everybody welcome jc we are yes if you're asking i'm watching you in the chat room we are starting a little bit early today because we are in uh, Missouri, and we have our class tonight in Olathe, Kansas. Olathe, Kansas class starts in about an hour and a half, and we have to, uh, well, actually, it starts at 7, which on our time is two and a half hours. But we have an hour drive before we get there, so we wanted to make sure that we got to go live with you today and say hello and how are you and God bless. You got anything exciting to talk about, JC? Because I got some good stuff, man. Go for it. I want to talk about a couple things that are uh, what I call the uh, the sky is falling election claims, right? And so the Republicans have their end of the world predictions if the Democrats win, and the Democrats have their end of the world prediction if the Republicans win. And I wanted to sort of talk about a couple of those things. Uh, one thing that I wanted to talk about is the mail-in ballot thing. 
And you know what I found was was really interesting, JC. A lot of people don't understand where the post office actually fits in government. Okay. And the post office is actually part of the well it's constitutionally established that the federal government establish a post office but it's been placed in the executive branch because it wouldn't go under the judicial branch and it wouldn't go under the legislative branch so it goes under the executive branch but here's the crazy thing so when everybody's talking about how donald trump is not supporting the post office is not fixing the post office problems even though the post office is technically in the executive branch, it is not controlled by the president of the United States. It is actually what they call an independent agency, which to me is absolutely crazy. So what that means is it's technically part of the executive branch, but it's independent of the executive branch, meaning the president of the United States has no control over the executive, over the post office whatsoever. The post office is actually run by a bureaucratic commission that you and I don't elect. And the only thing the president can do is change the chairman of the bureaucratic uh, committee that runs the post office. So it's, it's another one of those, it's not quite a private in, industry, but it's not government either. I mean, it's completely funded by government, but it's almost like an NGO because nobody in government actually is in charge of it. And more, more so than that, you and I don't run anything in government, uh, in, in the post office executive agency. So when you talk about, it's been in the news a lot about the mail-in ballots and the problem with mail-in ballots and why the post office doesn't have enough money and how they're wasting money. I think we heard today, what did you remember the numbers that they're behind? Like how many trillions of dollars they're actually in debt? No idea. But who, who runs that? Who is to be held responsible for the misfunding of the post office. If the executive branch, if it's part of the executive branch, yet the president of the United States has absolutely no control over how the post office operates, who's in charge of that? Where is the accountability? Where are the checks and balances? But meanwhile, Congress is pointing their finger at the president of the United States. And the president was actually, we listened to a speech that he gave today. He's like, look, you guys are, well, it was a press conference, right? He goes, look, you guys know I don't have any control over the post office. And I was at that moment, I thought, I wonder how many people in America actually understand that even though we call the post office an executive agency, the president of the United States has absolutely no control over the post office whatsoever. And then they're talking like these mail-in ballots, you know, it's, it's impossible for them to be lost. It's impossible for them to not be, you know, we'll need some extra time, but there's no room for, mis you know. There's no way there's going to be any problems within the post office to do that. So I did. States states know how to do this. States know how to do no this. No problem. That's right. what Ari Fleischer said. No problem. No problem. As if it's just a state issue. Right? I did some research. Do you know that 28 million mail-in ballots went missing in last in the last four elections? Between 2012 and 2018, according to Real Clear Politics, 28.3 million mail-in ballots remain unaccounted for, according to data from the Federal Election Assistance Commission. The missing ballots amount to nearly one in five of all absentee ballots and ballots mailed to voters in states that do elections exclusively by mail. Wow. 
that's pretty, one in five is pretty high when you when you think of uh, the ones that actually arrive. A large portion of them are thrown out. Yeah. So add you know add another million on top. Well, but that's what Ari Fleischer was saying. He, he was saying, oh well. The president is speaking in incorrect hyperbole. There's no room for... It's not a fraud issue. It's actually mail-in ballots. He almost made it sound like mail-in ballots were a more secure way because he says the mail-in ballots, the ones that are excluded, are legitimately excluded because they don't have the right signatures or they won't weren't turned in in time. But here we have from the Federal Election Assistance Commission... That 28.3 million mail-on ballots, let me repeat this phrase, remain unaccounted for. That isn't they didn't have the right signature. That isn't they weren't turned in in time. That's We have no way and no idea where these things are. Which means somewhere in the delivery process, right? So Ari Fleischer was like, oh, this is a state counting thing. Here we have 28.3 million, one in five of all absentee and mail-in ballots. Just gone. <laughs> Just poof. And nobody knows where they are. Just absolutely, the, the, the figure of 28 million missing ballots is likely even higher because some areas in the country, notably Chicago, didn't even respond to the federal agency's survey questions. (laughs) So the figure does not include ballots that were spoiled, undeliverable, or came back for any reason. Then now, I will give our our Fleischer this. There's no evidence that the missing ballots were used fraudulently. Right? But what does that mean? If you don't even know where they are, how do you know they didn't slip in through somewhere? But if they're somehow specifically removed. Yes. I mean, it's, it's not to say it can't be fraud. Exactly. Be fraud. Especially with, again, if it's true, like some of the videos were showing that there's an indication on the outside of whether it's Democrat or Republican, then you can easily remove you know, whatever you want to remove depending on which party you're against. Well, not only so that. it could be fraud. Absolutely. And I don't know, are you familiar with this term ballot harvesting? Mm-hmm. Okay. So ballot harvesting is when a third party collects mail-in ballots on behalf of voters right. and then delivers them to election officials. Yeah. <laughs> that ought to be illegal. So you have somebody completely unrelated to the whole po- process... Hey, (laughs) that reminds me of we were in the Kansas airport and the uh, over the intercom comes this message. Don't get into any vehicle. Make sure there's an Uber sign. You know, that don't get into any strange vehicle thing. But yet you're going to. Hey, dude, I'll deliver your ballots. Right. right? (laughs) Hey, I got this hat and I got a briefcase. Can I deliver your ballots for you? Seriously, that's that's where all of this comes from. Not only that, look at this, I, I found this. So, in 2016, in 2016, uh, it says that a large, at least one in eight jurisdictions reported receiving more ballots than they sent. No, military. That's just the absentee military ballots. Abs- absentee ballots. In 2016. In 2016. Now, the military absentee ballots should be the tightest sealed of them all, right? You would think. But they still go through the post office. How do you get How do you get more than you sent? Does that mean somebody's like photocopying the ones that they got and in, in, in sending them in? One in eight jurisdictions in 2016 for the military absentee ballots reported receiving more ballots than they sent, counting more ballots than they received, or rejecting more ballots than they received. How do you count more ballots than you've received? How do you reject more ballots than you've received? 
These, see, these are the problems with the mail-in ballots. How do, and, and who's the guy that reports, um, let's see, we received 4 million ballots and we rejected 5 million. Yeah, yeah, that works. <laughs> Is that like some, some public school graduate of Common Core that thinks that we can report that? I mean, who doesn't say, oh, crap, maybe I should change that number so it doesn't look like I've reported, I've rejected more than I've received. So rejecting more than you receive is a problem, but then counting more than you receive is a problem. And that was in 2016, right? Then I have here in 2013 the same problem. The exact same thing in twenty or in twenty twelve. So in twenty thirteen, that they announced that they had more mail in ballots. This is all with the military, right? Because I would think that this is our litmus, right? This is our testing ground because military people have to do mail in voting. They can't vote in person. So. So military people have to vote by mailing, right? So if you can't get that right, how can you trust the rest? Right. How do you trust the rest? And that's that's part of of this big problem that I have. The other thing that I wanted to talk about, we heard this on the news today, JC, uh, that if the Democrats win, they promise to add more states to the union, meaning if they get control, not ne- not necessarily even the president, right? But if they get control of the House and the Senate, they're going to make Puerto Rico, Guam, they're going to make them states. And the question came to me, can Congress do that? Well, according to Article 4, Section 3, Clause 1, yes, that is a congressional thing. New states... And I'm reading from the Constitution for you. New states may be admitted by the Congress into this union. But no new state shall be formed or erected within the jurisdiction of another state, nor any state be formed by the junction of two or more states or parts of a state without the consent of Congress, the consent of the legislators of the state concerned, as well as of the Congress. Which has happened. Which Which has happened. All that part has happened. Right. So, so admitting, we've combined states and split states. Right. But admitting a state is the sole pur- purview of Congress. Notice Article 1, Section 4, Clause 3 doesn't talk about the president signing off on that. So Joe Biden winning or losing doesn't affect this. But this is part of the things that we've been talking about, whether we are going to have... Um, a a control of the Senate, why it's so important to have the control of the Senate, right? Mm -hmm. So you don't want to lose the Senate to the Democrats if you don't want to admit these states into the union. But which is an interesting, the interesting argument being made about uh, Trump's announcement of the $13 billion to Puerto Rico. Right. Because some of the reporters were trying to say, oh, isn't that very fishy? Uh, Now, all of a sudden, there's talk about Puerto Rico becoming a state and you magically give them $13 billion. So like you're so the implication is you're trying to buy future votes for the Republican Party because, you know, Puerto Rico is going to be a state real soon. Right. Right. Well, and because Puerto Rico has been groomed to be a Democrat stronghold. Groomed to be Marxist. Marxist. Revolutionary Marxist. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. Hey, Nate Bama is in with us today. Nate Bama says, uh, my end of the world prediction is in soon. He's he's participating in the suture chat soon. That's the prediction. Oh, my end of the world prediction is soon. I get it. I get it. He also says, "Super man, Bama, Nate Bama is, is, is heavy in his super chats today. Bureaucracy is a loophole for the politicians to get around our liberties, and we just let them get away with it. That's absolutely right, because there's no accountability in the bureaucrats. And he says, we the people are ultimately responsible for letting our liberties be stolen. Yep, yep. that's exactly how that works. 
so here's the thing. If you want, so groomed to be Marxists, but they've been groomed to be dependent. They're not, they've, well, Trump was talking about how Puerto Rico had an industry, a pharmaceutical industry, and, uh, well, he blamed it on the Democrats. I'm sure everybody in Congress had something to do with that then shipped that industry off to foreign countries instead of into Puerto Rico. And now Trump's thing is we're going to bring the pharmaceutical industry back to Puerto Rico. But as it stands, Puerto Rico is more of a consumer than a producer. And what we've done is we've groomed them not only to be Marxist, but we've groomed them to be receivers of aid instead of producers into the the entire union economy and when we were creating the states and our founders were discussing about allowing new states to come into the union one of the criteria jc was what will be the benefit of this state into the union as a whole yeah which i think is that the thought process there, you know, go, go build the infrastructure, get the, get the pharmaceutical industry back in to make Puerto Rico uh, productive. And then at the same time, you know, garner favor for the Republican party. Right. Exactly. So, I mean, it's, it surely there's political considerations in all, all of the things, but well, let me tell you what, if we, if we had been running, as a constitutional republic as designed, Puerto Rico wouldn't be a territory still. You know, you once you become an independent state, you are no longer a territory. Once you have, and Jefferson's resolution during the Articles of Confederation uh, proves to us that once you have an established population and an established government, you are now an independent state. And then you petition to be part of the union. If you are not brought into part of the union, you remain an independent state. You're not a territory of the United States. We were not designed to be an imperialistic government. And that's part of what's what's happening here in America. I thought as a fun thing, uh, one of the things we're going to talk about the uh, this transsexual Satanist anarchist who won the GOP nomination for sheriff in New Hampshire County. I found this story absolutely fascinating. And a lot of people are like, hey, that's crazy. This this transsexual, what is it? Transsexual Satanist anarchist didn't win the de- Democrat nomination. Won the sheriff's nomination in, in a New Hampshire County, which is... Um, Cheshire County, New Hampshire. And what's interesting, you know what, Jason, my first question was, because you're teaching this in the school, how are you an anarchist and going to hold office? So it was fun to actually read what this, what this guy says. I mean, he did this to totally mock the political system. And his campaign slogan was F the police. Yeah. Running for sheriff. Oh, no, that, no, that was a slogan under the GOP. <laughs> under as a Republican. So the GOP. Now remember, this was the primary where only Republicans could vote. Mm-hmm. So this transsexual, anarchist, Satanist runs with a campaign, a write-in campaign. He's a write-in candidate of F the police under the GOP ticket. And the GOP primary voters, which are not your average voters. Well, alleged. What do you call primary voters? The super voters. Super, what it tell, so the super voters are people who voted in, I think, at least the last two primaries. You know, so it's supposed to be people that vote, regularly vote. You, know, you can count on them to vote. But, and so the assumption is those kind of, voters who vote faithfully, even in the primary, it's assumed those are the informed, right? You know, oh, these are the most informed voters. Um, but that's not, that's actually not true. Well, I mean, this proves it's not true. I've, I found it to be not true. 
working in campaigns. Oh, you so, would tell me, so you go knock on the doors. No, right? it's, it's it's a farce. I mean, the guy's right. So the whole thing, we talked about it before, his motivation was to uh, show the absolute idiocy of the electorate and how people vote. People don't, Americans are just generally lazy voters. They, they don't vote their values, number one. They don't vote their values. And they're lazy. They don't find out about the issues. They don't find out about the candidates. And so this that's the kind of thing. He was trying to prove, his point was, I don't match the platform that the people, that the party stands for. I don't match what the voters allegedly say they believe, but yet, look, they elected me. So I've proved how stupid voters are. That that was his entire point, the entire campaign. And so what, what you see there are, Uninformed voters, lady voters, lazy voters. So when we would go around, I, I mentioned this before on the show. When I when I went around um, canvassing for the super voters, it was a common sort of experience. I found people who watched Fox News from sun up to sundown every day. Uh, well, well, well past sundown, but all <laughs> around the clock, right? They watched Fox News around the clock, and uh you know were faithful to vote thought i guess thought they were informed and knew absolutely nothing that was going on in their state or in their local area they knew nothing about local government nothing about state government they knew actually knew very little about federal level politics other than trump the sort of sensational stuff that is reported every day. And if you think about national national news, just by the nature of the news, watch Fox all day. I've said this. Watch Fox all day. Just do an experiment. Watch it for, say, let's say, 48, 48 hours. Make a list of what they talk about. Every segment, over and over again, re- repeats the same handful of things going on. So if that's all you're taking in, you're incredibly uninformed. But that's, that is what I found to be... Uh, characteristic of the primary super voters. That was their reality. Almost every door we knocked on, everybody we talked to fit that mold. And they were absolutely clueless. And what does that say about the voters who are just casual voters? Who who are not right, these super are voters. like supposed to be the super voters. This is what his name it's is nuts. his name is Demezzo. And he actually wrote about it. He said um he says uh that he was running to oppose a system that allowed thousands of people to walk into a voting booth and vote despite knowing abs- despite knowing absolutely nothing about the person they were nominating to the most powerful law enforcement position in the county. He said, I'm running for sheriff because I oppose that very system. And the sheriff has the most hands-on ability in Cheshire County to oppose that system. The system that let you down by allowing me, the this is these these are his words, the freaking transsexual Satanist anarchist to be your sheriff candidate is the same system I'm attacking. I'm sorry, and I know it hurts to hear, but that system is a lie. The entire thing is a lie. It's broken from beginning to end. My existence as your sheriff candidate is merely how this reality was thrown into your face. And it says, Marilyn Houston, the chair of the Cheshire County GOP, congratulated DeMezzo for the victory and told uh, inside sources that he did a very well in the primary and that it was wonderful. Yeah. So we so we covered it. Very well in the primary. Yeah. So we, <laughs> he didn't just win by a, right. you know, very well. In a primary where only Republicans are voting. Yeah, and we covered we covered this story on a previous show, but th- now you think about that, and then you to me you add you add all of this mail in voting vote votes missing all this mm-hmm. sort of stuff. So I mean, what what do we actually have as an electorate making all these decisions? Right, you add this these kind of idiots voting, right, and then. You know, any votes that might be an educated vote, well, you're losing 28 million votes. At least 28 million. Because remember, there are some large districts like Chicago who didn't even respond 
to the federal survey when they found out when, when they asked how many votes have you counted how many have you lost so what are we really left with making the decisions of who operates this government we live under it's it's incredible i mean if 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 we ever needed a revival of knowledge and virtue of i mean educated people knowledgeable people virtuous people oh my goodness this is like bottom of the barrel man which again is why you you i mean obviously you should plug in right you should kind of voting's the minimum but as you have said thousands and thousands of times clearly this is not the manner by which you control government because look at what we have you know so you got to get in at that local level and roll up your sleeves i mean the day to day being involved being plugged in controlling this thing and the the flip side of it is if these are the idiots making the decision and i think another thing this guy shows is how, how it it's not that real really difficult if you put a little bit of effort and go out there and try to make a difference if this guy could do this how many situations like that can be repeated of people actually with sincere principles trying to make a difference? Look how look how easy it was to get on the the ballot as the sheriff candidate. But he was a write-in I mean, so candidate. I mean, he was a write-in yeah, candidate. Even so as a write-in not even, candidate. This is just crazy. This is what we've been saying for years now. The most and, and and he's right. The most powerful person in your county is the sheriff, and he's proved what we've been saying for ten years that the most the easiest office to get control of from an electoral electoral position is the sheriff. Yeah, you can change right. all of that, and this election right. thing potentially, is potentially the easiest as far as you should be. You know, there's the numbers and different things. You should be able to do this. But, this, but this demonstrates the challenge, mm-hmm. right? Because it's 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 conditional. It'd be easy. It is easy if you get off your lazy rear end and vote your values. Right. That, that's the whole thing. And that's like we looked around at Hillsborough County. Clueless voters don't vote their values. You should be able to, to handle the sheriff's race and you're faced with Idiots or whiners who won't plug in. Right. You complain all day, watch Fox News, yell at Biden and, and Pelosi, and then do nothing and know nothing about what's going on that actually affects you from day to day. And this is really and I don't I don't like very saying this. This very is a frustrating thing, but this is a very important election. I do want to point out that this this guy won this. Usually it's easier to do this in a when your sheriff is up for election in a non national election. True. But he actually did this in a national election, which just shows again and proves the point. And now we're at the point where this election is really important. They're talking about how they're gonna have uh, enough vaccinations for everyone in America by April. Uh, during the press conference today, the president's uh, guy, do you remember who that was, said, well, we're not going to mandate that people take um, that people take vaccinations. You know, it'll be for whomever wants them. But I want to know exactly what is going to happen when the state and local governments know that there are vaccinations available for everybody. Because it was the state and local governments that were mandating masks and were closing down the businesses. Now we have the federal court coming in in Pennsylvania and saying, no, you can't do that. But how many people have already lost lifelong generational businesses waiting for the courts to chime in on this? Yeah. And now you're gonna have you're gonna have this mandatory vaccination thing in the hands of the state and local governments. And don't forget, if you live in a state like Florida, who actually has a statute that says that the that the government can vaccinate you with whatever means necessary, without any due process whatsoever, you need a sheriff. You need to take control of your local government. This is so very important. J.C. Nate Bama says, 
The American people don't vote for liberty. They vote for their tribe. Tribalism has been indoctrinated in America. It's not about principle. Uh, it's not about principle or morals. It's just about whose team they're on. Yep. No, no, no question. And that, that's, that to me is the core of the problem. Because honestly, even going around, you know, as we travel, talking to Democrats, talking to someone who identifies as a liberal, your average person, now I'm not talking about radicals, I'm not talking about the anarchists who want, you know, just burn the world down, that sort of thing. But I'm talking about the average run-of-the-mill person, even a Democrat as we travel. When you, when you talk to the regular Joe on the street, what you'll find out is you actually have a lot of views in common. Mm-hmm. Where you disagree is not super far apart. The problem is people don't inform themselves and don't vote their values. I talk, You know how many Democrats I talk to, particularly in the South, and listen to what they believe, what they think, what, what their values are? And I, and, I, and I ask them, or I think, okay, if that's what you say you believe, how, how do you vote for that guy? How right. do you vote for her? So people notoriously, that's what's broken. Right now, this guy. Think about the guy in New Hampshire. He, you know, his position he is just government is invalid. You know, throughout the whole thing. That's that's not even what we're saying. He just demonstrates a point of how uninformed people are. And if people would vote their values, we wouldn't even have this thing again. The majority of the American people are not Antifa. They're not. But yet. They don't connect. The average person somehow does not connect their values with the platform uh, that the party is pushing or this individual, what the individual stands for. It's mind-boggling to me, the disconnect. Well, and it's not just simply at voting time. It's any other time. Mary says in the chat room, um, my sheriff is a life, uh, has years of law enforcement experience and says many positive things, but not really sure how he stands value-wise on other things. Mm-hmm. See, voting is not what you do to control government. Once somebody gets in office, how do you know if you want to reelect them? Years of law enforcement is not the same as somebody who is willing to stand up to defend and secure your rights. If yeah. your sheriff... Uh, in any way, shape, or form, supported and helped enforce the shutdown of your businesses over COVID, then your sheriff needs to be replaced. I mean, there are certain litmus tests, especially today, that should give us an indication of of what who needs to go. This is like the sifting of the wheat. If we haven't figured out through this crisis who is fit to be a defender of rights and who's not fit to be a defender of rights, who's fit to hold office and who's not fit to hold office. If we haven't seen in this last six months who needs to go and who needs to stay, frankly, JC, I don't know what has to befall the American people for for us to make this this (laughs) realization. Now I know, you know, you guys, you guys are with us. You, You get it, you get it. But we've got to figure out, we got to get a way to reach the other people and say, hey, I, hey, know, come on now. I've been, I've been watching politics, I guess somewhat a political junkie, since Ross Perot, okay? And every election cycle, right about this time, about 50, 60 days out, they trot out the so-called undecided voters. And now I understand if you're undecided in the sense of, I don't know if I'm going to vote or not. Like, I don't like either candidate. I don't know if I'm going to vote. Okay, I get that. But these idiots who, uh, well, I, I may vote for Biden, Biden or I may vote for Trump or, you know, whoever it may be. Some guy over on the one side and another guy way over on the other side of just completely two different outcomes. You know right. what I mean? Um, notwithstanding the shared agenda of the parties, you know, but, but the idea that somehow you can't decide between really diametrically opposed positions, there's got to be the stupidest people on the planet. I hear this stuff. I watch the three on Fox. I don't know. And I'm, I'm leaning Biden and then I'm leading Trump. 
uh, I'm looking like, okay, those three, they need their voting rights revoked. Now, <laughs> if you're that stupid, you should not be allowed to vote. They're, so un, these undecideds 30 days out, uh, are they have to be the dumbest people on the planet. Well, not only that, it, but like you said, JC, you're not vote. You're not trying to decide between two people like Pence and Trump. Right. You're not deciding between Pence and Trump. You're not deciding between Kamala and and Biden. Yeah. Right. You're these people aren't anything alike. And and right. even at that sort of superficial emotional level. What decision is there? Yeah, and because you're either in you're either in support of the Harris administration or you're in support of the Trump administration. There's absolutely nothing that they share in common. Yeah, I, I don't, and I I get the, you know, you you can make an argument about different globalist tendencies, commonalities, different things that the government does, and what either candidate may do. I understand that, but the idea of, you know, for somebody sitting there and, and saying. Yeah, I, I I could vote for him or I could vote for him. Just just the idea that both are an option and I don't understand what what do what what this is the thing to me. What does the undecided voter what are they going to see? What are they listening for in the last 30 days that that's where the decision is made? If there is nothing that is going to be new in 30 days, that ought to be the determining factor for your decision. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You there. There's something wrong with how you approach voting if your decision is made within the last 30 days. If you're that guy, you should not be allowed to be making decisions that affect other people. But how many times, JC, in the beginning of this, like 10 years ago, when we actually sat in the Republican headquarters in our county and watched people come in the day of, walk into the the Republican office the day of and And say... And start asking people standing there who they should vote for. for. Uh, You should vote for no one. Get the hell out of here. That that should be the response. A, A person like that shouldn't even be allowed to vote. Nate Bama says they've broken down the system into two parties so they can create a division that works off each other to obtain a goal of domination and control over the people. Right. And that's true. I, and, and which I'm, I was trying to make a distinction. I mean, I, I get that side of it. And that to me is like, I'm not voting for either, but the idea that I could, I could equally vote for this guy as vote for that guy. Mm-hmm. What? Let me, let me talk about something here really quick. Cause we're running up on the end here, but let me talk about something there really quick. Cause this is coming up in the YouTube chat room. Uh, Janet says we get cheat sheets from different organizations for voting and that's a good start. Be very, very careful about those cheat sheets. But, but it is be a good, very, it's a good basis because then you sort of have a, have a list of the issues. Like they could be all wrong, yeah. but at least everything is on a list for you to right. go investigate. Right. But, but you, you can't, can't just swallow right. what somebody else says. The League of Women Voters is notoriously yeah. liberal in many, many things. Yeah. So... You know, you can get that they put it in a handy dandy thing where you can see what issues are on the ballot, but don't just take their word for it on what they're actually, you know, what they're they're telling you. I I don't like when I create the ballots here, uh, especially when it comes uh, for years now, I've created a voter guide for the constitutional amendments for the Florida for the Florida ballot. So every 4 years or every 2 years we have ballot initiatives on the Florida ballot. And what I do is number 1, what what's the most important thing? If I vote yes, what happens? Because these ballot initiatives, these yeah. these things that are on the ballots, you never know the way they're worded. If I vote yes or no, because I know what I want, but if yeah. I vote yes, will I actually get what I want? Usually, they got a triple or quadruple negative. Yeah, yeah, in, yeah. You know, in, in the phrasing of it, so you can't even understand what the outcome will be of these amendments. It's crazy. So, ballot initiatives, whatever they call them, propositions. I think California, different mm-hmm. things like that. It's bonkers. So on my ballot. Uh, guides on my voter guides I don't say vote yes vote no what I say is if you vote yes 
this is what that means. And that's the way voter guides ought to be. Voter guides should not be telling you how to vote. They should be telling you what this person, if you're talking about people, how does this person vote? How does this person vote? For the initiatives, if you vote yes, what does that mean? If you vote no, what does that mean, right? Because we can't just blindly vote. I believe that we will be held eternally responsible for the decisions that we make at ballot. So when you stand in judgment on that day, you're not going to be able to say, oh, well, I voted because the Women League of Voters told me to, right? You, We have a greater responsibility to be responsible voters. See, that's the difference. And, and I wonder, JC, is this why they keep thrusting this democracy garbage down our throats, right? Because that's how a democracy works. You just run out and you vote with the mob. A constitutional republic requires more than just mob lemming movement. Yeah. Being, living in a constitutional republic means you have to vote based on your conscience so that who you're voting for actually represents you. I wonder if we were able to somehow give people the information to know that who you're voting for is actually supposed to be a, an avatar for you in office. They well, are a representative yeah. of your physical and spiritual being in the political realm. Now, one thing, you know, I can say this, when you, you have sort of, you see this, the general stance of, let's say, Democrat Party, right? So I know what they stand for. I know, you know, what the candidates are pushing. So at least that's eliminated from the beginning, right? So I don't know. I, I, I may vote for a Republican. I may vote for a Libertarian. I may vote for an Independent. But I know I'm not voting for a Democrat. So I've at least already ruled that out when yeah. I'm trying to evaluate. You know what I mean? Because it's, it's very clear where they are on that side, which I will n- never be in line with at this point. And but, make sure you know who is making your cheat sheet, yeah. right? Because you'll have, I, you know, what I find most disturbing is we have the conservative groups that give people the quote-unquote liberty rating or the Constitution rating, yeah. and it's not anything near actually a Constitution rating. Nine times out of ten, what is it? It's an economic rating. How did they vote on this spending? How did they vote yeah. on this money? But it's not actually right. taking the candidates and comparing them in their voting to the Constitution of the United States. True. So if you see somebody giving somebody a liberty rating, you see somebody giving somebody a Constitution rating, I'm going to tell you, you need to give that double scrutiny, like like a cup of salt with that one. Awesome. Yeah, so uh, remember... If the if the inform Democrats yourself. inform yourself because if the Democrats in the national level get control of the House and the Senate, then there will be a very strong movement to bring in territories that have been groomed to be anti-American yeah. influence in here in yeah. in America. And then again, as you say, it's the day-to-day being in there because you know the big chance. Just like in 2010, we sent all the, oh, Tea Party, blah, blah, blah. And then all of a sudden, they bought into the nonsense. They get they get bought off. They get turned. They get co-opted. Mm-hmm. So you, you can't just do what a majority of people do, vote and walk away. Right. That, that's really, I think, why America is where it is, where it is because we've had this vote and walk away mentality. Oh, right. I checked the box. You got your little sticker. And then that's the sum total of the average American's engagement with the system of what's supposed to be self-governance. Right. They've abandoned self-governance because the self, their self, is not even in the process except yeah. to go to, uh, you know, mark a ballot that they're not even informed on in the first place. And even if they are, they're not going to check back, back in for another, you know, 365 days times four. <laughs> so you can't do that. This, you've got to, this in every, self-governance is an everyday thing. You're involved on some level every freaking day. And that's not just sitting watching, you know, having Fox News play on your TV all day. You're, there is no 
I mean, even if I have even heard watching it. the Chris Ann Hall show, there's no single source that you're going to watch and be informed about everything you need to know. You you have to intentionally go research. Well, this we stuff. can't be. T- we we do not have the physical capability of telling you about your local government where that's most important. And JC has made me listen and watch Fox News more in the last four days than probably I've watched in the last four months cumulative. And I have heard such garbage come from these people, especially the whole thing about Fox News shutting down the discussion of George Soros. Right. I mean, that was just like, I was like, oh my goodness. Even Fox makes makes it forbidden for, who was it that was trying to talk about it? Newt Gingrich. Newt Gingrich. Newt Gingrich, establishment guy, right? Establishment guy is forbidden by Fox News to talk about George Soros. Come on, people. Agreed. You got to unplug from, from this, you know? Get your news from from another place and and yeah. and let's move on. That's right, Nate. No. Car- Cardi B will be president in the next twenty years if we don't fix our thinking. That's exactly right. Well, you're lucky it'll be <laughs> Cardi B. It may be a Costio Cortez. It'll be a bunch of Cardi B. Yeah, exactly. Oh, Lord help us. Well, guys, we got to get on the road to get to Olathe, Kansas, where we're going to be, where I'm going to be teaching uh, about Kansas government overreach. Remember, if you're just reading your federal constitution, then you only know one third of what you need to know because, or one quarter, because three quarters of government happens at the state and local level. So don't just simply carry around your pocket U.S. constitution. You got to know your state constitution, and that's what we're doing. So make sure you join us in Olathe, Kansas tonight or in Rayville, Missouri tomorrow and Sunday. Hope to see you there. If you don't know where we're going to be, go to chrisannhall.com where you can click on the calendar and find the details if you're not following us on Facebook. Oh, let me mention this one thing before we run off. JC, I have posted the Olathe notice for this event tonight five times in the last seven days. And I still had people today say, man, I wish I had known about it. If you are waiting for Facebook to send you my posts through your feed, don't be disappointed when you don't get them, okay? So if you're really interested in what we're doing, if you're really interested in our constitutional posts, you're going to have to go to my Facebook page every day and just scroll and check it out because Facebook is not going to put my stuff in your newsfeed. All right, guys. Thank you so much. God bless. We'll see you on Monday.